to you, Auditor General, and thank you for joining us. All right, good afternoon, Mike. Just a few things for those people that we shouldn't take for granted that they understand. Firstly, irregular expenditure. What do we mean by it? Um, Thank you for the question, Mike. Uh, If you look at expenditure, when it is handled in government, it is expected that the expenditure must be done in accordance with the rules and the laws that govern it. And the reason for that is to make sure that we protect the public purse from those people that might be inclined to do it their own way. So in the audit, what we've done this year, just as an example, we have selected no less than 6,000 contracts valued at almost about 93 billion in total, where we tested uh, the compliance with those requirements with a supply chain. For a number of them, we found that they did not follow through in terms of the rules that govern the procurement of goods and services, which means that whether or not they have received what they were intending to buy, the bottom line is that they did not comply with the required controls. Therefore, the expenditure they have incurred for that reason is classified as irregular. And the reason we are highlighting this, we are bringing it to the attention of the people who are charged with governance in the institutions to further investigate so they can be able to establish whether there was ill intent or whether it is purely a matter of incompetence. That's the essence of what that irregular expenditure is. Does it mean well, then it's, uh, it's uh, purchases for goods or services that were budgeted for, but uh, the SEM process wasn't followed? Absolutely. And therefore, it is not clear as to whether when you bought that which you bought, you paid a price which can be considered to be economic. Because in essence, if you bypass the prescripts of supply chain, You could be buying those things at seriously inflated prices to the detriment of the people who are expecting the benefits. Now, let's talk about unauthorized expenditure, which you say has decreased by just over 50%. What is the difference between the two? If you look at unauthorized expenditure, every year in February, the Minister of Finance stands in Parliament and uh, allocates different amounts of money to different departments. That's what is called appropriated funds, because the government has agreed it will fund education to the extent of whatever the amount is. Same goes for health, same goes for roads and transport and all those things. If any one of these departments incurs expenditure, but there is no appropriated budget against which the expenditure can be checked, that expenditure is almost somebody spending money that was never given to them in the first place. Now let's uh, go to the real business uh, of the report that you took out uh, today. And one of the key things is achieving a clean audit. Are there aspirations from government officials uh, to actually achieve clean audits? When you say aspirations, uh, I agree interpret that also as part of the commitments that we get every year, where almost without exception, people commit that they will 
journey towards achieving this ideal audit outcome. So clearly then we move from the premise that there has been a commitment and therefore that commitment is what drives the aspiration. Sometimes the reality they face is that there is insufficient capacity to do it in the sense that sometimes we allow people to be employed in certain positions when they possess competences less than the minimum required. Sometimes the is wrongdoing that is allowed to persist because there are no consequences in the environment. So all of those things conspire towards the slow movement towards achievement of clean audit. But there really, in practical terms, are there really no consequences or are steps not being taken to make people realize that uh, if you don't follow certain rules and if you don't commit to uh, your job description, you will face those consequences? I think it is fair to suggest that we come from an era in the past, not long ago, where there was absolutely no consequence for many of these things. And I think it is fair to say that the needle has shifted almost, but not to a great extent. There are those that are instituting processes of investigation to follow up on what gives rise to these undesirable outcomes. But the reality is that sometimes they take too long before they can get to the bottom of the supporting documentation to substantiate the investigations. So it's a mixed bag. So we're still at a place where we can say that there is indeed no consequence by far because a lot of those that have attempted to do it sometimes abandon the process before they've even completed it. The next thing you know afterwards in some instances is somebody settled and they leave. But the matter of, as a matter of course, what is important to note is that the fundamental root cause for the irregular expenditure has not been addressed by giving somebody money to disappear. Your report also shows a progressive marginal three-year improvement in national and provincial government audit results. Take us through some of the improvements. Well, if you look at the improvements, if I just... Uh, cover the provinces, for example. I think there's a couple of provinces that we have noted in our report which have done a good job. As far as the improvements over three years, we have taken note of the efforts that have been put into this by the province of the Eastern Cape, KwaZulu-Natal, and Gauteng. And if you look at those that have hit the biggest number of departments within the provinces that have achieved these clean audits, We count among them the Western Cape, which takes the lead, followed closely by Gauteng and then KwaZulu-Natal. A disappointing outcome has been noted in the Free State and in Pumalanga, where we have seen quite a number of regressions from where they were the previous year. While Limpopo um, is still battling to implement some of the recommendations that came from the Section 100 intervention when they had a collapsing financial management environment. And I think it is worth noting that the Northern Cape has improved and uh, it's taking baby steps in the right direction, while the Northwest is uh, one of those that have done uh, very little to show for achieving anything good in terms of the audit outcomes. Now, when you look at that report, do you find there's a correlation between good corporate governance and clean audits and those improvements? 
Well, one of, one of the things that we've noted, if you look at good corporate governance, good corporate governance in any institution is often a leader-led process. And I think we have made uh, our views clear in respect of what we have observed in Gauteng, where you see a premier as well as the executive leadership taking strong steps to establish good governance. And good governance is not about the debits and the credits in the financial statements to start with. It's about setting the tone at the top so that the rest of the organization can follow the lead from the leadership. In those environments, even in other entities, we've seen a sustainable path towards doing that. And when they do that, the issue of achieving clean audits, uh, Ike, is really an issue about dealing with three elements as far as you are concerned. The first one is to respect the fact that they are disciplined to manage finances as has been also articulated by the Minister of Finance. And the second element is also to ensure that when you do the things that you said you will do when the budget was allocated, to demonstrate uh, transparently through your report that these are the things you are reporting on and they can be tested and attested to. Thirdly, compliance with laws and regulations, which is about the basics of supply chain and other related prescripts, is the third component. So in in our view, if you look at all of the departments that are funded through the budget in any of these departments, whether it's finance, supply chain, or the people who are responsible for strategy and reporting, those positions are seldom vacant. So the question that you are raising is that it cannot be that difficult when there are people who are there who are supposed to do the job. However, if leadership is not making it known that this is intolerable, to achieve less than clean audit, then we'll probably continue on this path until there are real consequences for not doing it. And what would those real consequences be? I guess consequences have to do with the fact that if you've got competences less than what is needed, somebody needs to try and find something suited to your competencies. Secondly, if there are transactions entered into and documents get lost, somebody needs to be taken to task for those documents, even if it means they must be fired. Auditor General, we can talk more about this, uh, but time is not on our side. Thank you once again for giving us uh, your time. That's uh, Auditor General Kimi Makwetu.